Gaming NBS. Huh. Episode 245, coming to you June 2nd, 2019. Welcome to Gaming NBS, tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you all aboard. How you doing, Sean? Oh my goodness, am I doing fantastic. Are you? I am. So, a uh, little off gaming banter here. Sean, how did your, um, that loaded question, how did your uh, fundraiser for the leukemia stuff go, Sean? I, um, I attend, so the, it went very well, is the short answer. Uh, for some of you that have given um, specifically to me for that event, thank you so much. Um, some of you I mentioned on the air, some of them I, I have you I've personally uh, reached out and thanked. So June 1st, which would be yesterday of this recording, we had the final gala, uh, the end wrap-up, which involves a pseudo-formal um, banquet and silent auction. And, I mean, you know, Brad, I got to say, at one of the silent auctions, so they have the silent auction items <clears> that <throat> people have kind of donated and they put the estimated retail value and you could kind of do it electronically and sign up and say, oh, okay, I'm going to oh, put, solid. It, put solid. it in the bid, right? And then at the end of the night, they actually do some really big ticket items like trips to islands and shit like that. Oh, wow. Like they, yeah, they had trips to like Florida. There was an island off Florida. Um, uh, shoot, I don't know. Bunch of the different, few different places. And one was a log cabin in like um, somewhere up north in Wisconsin. I can't oh. remember. Mostin maybe? Mostin's not that far north, but yeah, okay. You know, but it's it's like this log cabin home that was like featured on log cabin homes. Oh, okay. So this isn't like, this isn't like in a little house of prayer. This is like, yeah. Like very pit, like pitched big, like, you know, a two, three story window. You're talking million dollars. Yeah. That would sleep like 13 to 18 people. Good Lord. And you know, the price was like, you know, $2,000, but it was like a three night stay there. God, that'd be a good gaming trip, man. I know. <laughs> and as I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, I should totally bid on this and then try to wrangle 15 people to go to this thing. Mini con. For a weekend. Yeah. And say, hey, I paid for it. Um, it's going to cost 100 bucks total for to stay there three nights, you know, or whatever. Um. But I, I didn't have time to have it all sink in. Like, I didn't realize, like, oh, my God, I have to. Like, the potential, just, it, it takes time for it all to, like, well, ratchet through. Yeah, I, I have agree. to decide on whether I want to do this, like, right now. Like, there's no, you know, can I get the people? Can I not get the people? Who would I invite? Would they go? So I just, it it, it didn't happen. But regardless, um, we, we raised a, a shit ton of money for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I was personally recognized as the as the 2019 Madison team member of the year. Oh, awesome, man. Congrats. Thank play, you. Play the claps. Come uh, on, play the claps. Right, play yeah, the claps. Right. Do it. There you go. Good um, job. And it was, it was all to everybody that has helped me spread the word um, and, and threw in a few checkles along the way. It was just a very unbelievable experience. And uh, I didn't even know. I was talking to my wife uh, who happened to go along and we were talking and literally they're like, Sean Kelly. And I'm like, I look around not knowing I wasn't paying attention to like yeah. what they were talking about because they're recognizing people throughout the night and all this. And I'm like, Oh shit. Um, so I like look around, walk up on stage, grab this um, and then go back to my table. But it was just surreal. Cause I didn't, I didn't expect it and didn't know about it or anything. And, um, but it was, it was good. It was a good event. Uh, it, very successful. We raised like $320,000 um, from just this campaign. So for those of you not in the know, it's a man and woman of a man slash and woman of the year. And what happens is there's 11 candidates that kind of volunteer or get volunteered and then they, or they get nominated and they had a team 
and they ask for people to join their team and they get their team to rally and make some money and whoever makes the most um, becomes the man and the woman of the year for the local chapter. And I think it happens throughout the nation. Um, our team did not win that, but there were three teams that raised over like 50 K a piece. Um, so I heard it was really close and, uh, you know, that's, I mean, that's it. You just got to get that kind of recognition for doing that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think the, the closest campaign that was in the past or the record was like 198 or 210. So we, we blew it out by about hundred K. That's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. So we had some pretty, pretty obviously good, tenacious, uh, individuals leading some of those teams. And obviously, uh, at the gala, you bring, you invite people to come to your table and then they bid on those big ticket items in the silent auction. And those proceeds go to the team members team, right? Yeah. Right. So if I would have bid $2,000 on a thing, it would go towards my team's kind of pot. So gotcha. It was very good, very rewarding. My sister was there. She's had leukemia um, as a kid, and so she was there to to kind of join me. Uh, and her brother in law was, or my brother in law, her husband was there too. But yes, thank you for everybody that supported me. I really appreciate it. Um, it was, yeah, it was just a great experience. So that's awesome. Thanks, man. That's yeah, awesome. thanks, Brett. No yep. problem. Um, let's see. I think. We could go on to gaming crap now, man. Let's talk about gaming crap. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, like you know, some people are like, "Man, I listen to this goddamn show," but they sometimes <laughs> they talking about the talking fucking about... wrong shit, man. Well, that one's important, man. That one's very important. So, yeah. anyway, um, evercon.org, gameholecon.com. Evercon, of course, is in uh, January coming up. <clears throat> Lock your calendars in. Go out there, evercon.org. Find out when it is. Lock yourself in. Get yourself a hotel room if you need it, and submit your events because there are some event submissions open. Speaking of, of course, GameholeCon.com, you go there um, Halloween weekend and uh, join Sean and I and a host of other BSers and other really cool people. They're going to be running games, playing games, and hanging out and having a goddamn good time. So hope to see you there. As always, Sean and I would love it if you were a listener and you're like, hey, I want to run a game. I'd love to run it under the Gaming BS banner. That's great. Um, if you are like, well, I don't know if anybody would be interested in it or, geez, how, how do I... You know, I'm kind of new to the. That's fine. Tell Sean and I what you're up to. Send us an email. Send us the note. Say, hey, I want to run this game this during that con. Even if you don't know what time it's slotted for yet or whatever, let us know. We'll be happy to pimp your game for you if we can. So throw that out there too. Do it! Exactly. Just do it! Damn straight. Uh, let's see here. Oh, the Avalon Kickstarter should do a quick update there. If you back that at any level that grants you a PDF, you should have gotten links to download your PDF by now. If not, contact Encoded via the Kickstarter. Um, let's see. I should get some good pro. Get some props out there, Brad. I did. I got some very nice things. Jim Fitzpatrick, um, friend of the show. I've met Jim a couple different times at cons. I'm going to read this because it just made me feel good. He says, been reading Streets of Avalon this work trip, and it's exceptional in its balance. Traditional setting books are exhausting to me. This is a tool that gives you info to recreate a feel. Thanks, Encoded and Fofford, which is me, for nailing this one. Can't wait to, can't wait to run stuff with it. Which, Jim, that is that is incredibly high praise. I was talking wow. to uh, Joe Swick about this. Thank you. And I told Joe, I said, you know, somebody's going to hate it. That's fine. Somebody's going to be like, ah, I, I back this thing. It's not my cup of tea. Somebody Sorry. will say something horrible. Sorry, Brett. Sorry. It's going to happen. I, Sean, I know Sorry. Sean doesn't like it. That's fine. <laughs> I, I knew that going in. Sean, Sean gave me a grudging pledge. I knew that. But if anybody were to take it and feel inspired or do anything cool with it or find a nugget in there that they transfer form into their own game that's just awesome that's the cool piece so anyway thank you jim um he said that on twitter and uh i'm not looking for people to go out and do that but the fact that that's the most recent one somebody else said something too and i could not find their tweet for the life of me which i i apologize to that person but it's very it's very nice because oftentimes just to put let's put me in the kickstarter aside there's so many times we'll see creators out there who build something or do something really cool um I love Eloy Lasanta's stuff, right? <clears throat> I'm not a huge Third Eye Games gamer guy, but I like Eloy. I've met him. I've talked to him in person. I've talked to him on this podcast, as you know. He's just a great dude. And when he starts to create something that looks really cool, I'm like, man, I got to pump that. I got to tell somebody this is a cool dude who's doing cool shit. And that's important. And I think even if, you, even if you're like, look, I can't back david Beatty's dark trails but i know somebody who would like it and dave seems like a good guy i'd like to help him out hey you know 
Paige Lettman is running something or she's got a, a tweet out there you see or something in social media that, about an event or something that's going on, even if you're not going to be there, but you'd like to support it, saying nice things online is huge. It just is. And in the customer service world, you know, people are more than happy to bitch about shit they hate. And that's so often to tell people about cool stuff. So every time you take the time to say something cool about something you really love, that's just awesome. And uh, I think we should do more of that. So anyway, enough of that. No, also, it's, oh, it's sorry, on go. drive. It's on drive through, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's live for purchase yet because we want to make sure the Kickstarter backers oh. got their stuff first. We like to make sure we do that. We being encoded, and I said, "Oh yeah, we got to make sure that all the Kickstarters have their crack at it before we start opening up to the masses," because that would just not be fair. Gotcha. Um, but it will be on drive through, right? So, uh, awesomedice.com. We're still doing that for a little bit here. So if you use Gaming BS at checkout of an order of $10 or more, you can get 15% off. And who's our winner for May? Oh, let's see. Xavier G. Nice. So Xavier G, you'll have to let me know it's okay to pass along your email to awesomedice.com where you will get a free set of dice. Uh, I hope, I think you may be in a country that they can ship to. Uh, there is some limitations, but nonetheless, uh, if we can get them to you, we will certainly have Brandon send you a set. Um, thank you for everybody that has signed up to our email list and had a random drawing. If you are, I think, I think that's it. I don't know. I'm waiting on Brandon to double check and see if May was the last month or if we're going to do June. Or if we're going to be June and then give in, in the first day or week of July. So we're going to wait off, on, hold off on uh, promoting that further because we don't want anybody to, you know, hey, I got this thing and I didn't get my discount code or anything. Exactly. Yep. So, yep. So we thank Brandon at awesomedice.com. Regardless, go over there, order some dice. Um, if you want to try gaming BS promo code and you you've made an order of $10 or more and you and see if it works, you could try that, but if it doesn't work, it's because the promotion is over. Yes. Okay. The danger of podcasts are it tends to be, you know, it's, forever. Right. <laughs> and and promotions do end, people, so just so, be aware. Yeah, so it as what do they say, uh, for a limited time Yes. Right. Yeah. So I think I'm going to run at Gamehole Con, speaking of which, I know we're tracking all over the place, but um, I'm going to run either Tales from the Loop or Kids on Bikes for sure. Okay. Yeah. Sweet, man. You got to get that out there. Yeah, I do. I just have to think of what I want the premise to be. Oh, I got to get a hold of Jason, too, because I want to do a, a trail thing. I've got three Avalon games I need to run a trail game, too, so I got to get that done. Yes. Yeah. Um. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's it. That's all right. All, that's all I have. All right. What else we got? Oh, Random Encounter. Let's move on. Pretend we have a show. Let's go. All right. Random Encounter. If you're new to the show, it's where we field emails, voicemail, comments, uh, things from social media. And so this is the listener feedback I'll section. Start. I can start this one. All right, man. All right. Laramie of House Wall on inclusiveness. Hey, guys. In the recent inclusiveness episode, thank you. Lots of good things to digest, think about, and remember. Be it at my own table or the 60-ish person minicom we run, there's a lot to consider. And what, while there are many times Mrs. Lettman's anecdotes seemed just that, isolated incidents that were funny to recall, I fully believe her statement of their frequency, which shifts them from being amusing tale to a common irritant. I like her answer of dude, not cool, as that's probably better than my stop. This isn't a discussion. Don't do that. End of story. Anyway, we all know that generally important discussions aren't necessarily comfortable, and I think this episode was of extreme importance. While not fun, I feel it will help um, many to have share to share the good times in the future. Thanks again, Laramie. Thanks, Laramie. That's cool, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, Laramie, thank you so much. Um, 
Paige was cool. She was fun to talk to. Yeah, yeah. She's pretty easy going. She's we tried put to, up with a lot of shit over she the years. Totally, yeah. um, I just I knew it was going to be fun to talk to her because we get on the mics like about 10 minutes before and we're like, okay, this is what we want to do. You've done this before, blah, blah, blah. It's like an hour or 45 minutes before the show. We're like, we should just stop talking and save this for the show. <laughs> we just, she's, she's just so much fun to talk to. Anyway, keep going. I'll let yeah. you do the next one. Moving on. Uh, Ty of Housemonger, how should I address you? Uh, hi, hi, guys. As I look over my large collections of RPGs, it uh, is brought a thought to the forefront. As a the leader of the game, what do you like to be called? Game Master or DM? GM or DM? Uh, obviously, Game Master or Dungeon Master. Or one of thousand names that other games like to name that title. As for me, I always think of myself as the game master, no matter what game system I play. Part of me wonders why they just stick, why they just don't stick to that title through all game systems, but each to each their own, I guess. And I see the argument for being called DM for those game systems that only do fantasy. But I like to hear your thoughts on the argument GM or DM. Ty. Huh. So here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Dungeon Master is proprietary. Well, it's trademarked, yeah. It's it's for D and D. Like, I mean, now. Well, that doesn't mean people don't call it that, that's, right? So there, there's the difference between, you know, Game Master is a ubiquitous. Nobody owns that phrase, right? Or those two words. So any game system can use it. Whereas White Wolf had Storyteller, right? And Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu's Keeper, right? Those are terms specific for that game. Yes. However, outside of that, we usually in my group, because we've tried lots of different games over the years, Game Master or GM seems the most kind of catch all. Right. If everything, hey, who's running? <clears throat> That's the other one. It's just, wait, are you running? Cool. Are you going to run? Or Brett's yeah. running. Sean's running. Paige so, is running. So when you talk about, I think right, you're right, Brett. When it's in those circles, it's who's running. Are you going to run? Do you want to run? Or when you talk about, hey, I'm going to run a game, or you're going to go, hey, we're going to play this one game, then it's like, who's who's GMing or who's yeah. running, right? It's kind of like the context thing may change here and there. Do you have a preference, Sean? Do you uh, care? You know, I, I mean, me personally? Yeah, you personally. I, I think it's, I mean, I don't I don't give a shit. No. I mean, I like to, I like to be called Grand Poobah, but. Yes. I prefer his holiness, but I don't always get that that often. Grand Pooba, you know. Grand Pooba is pretty handy. That is. Does anybody know what that reference is from? I can't remember, but I should. Oh, oh crap. Uh, I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I'll leave it there. I'll have to, I'll have to Everybody's it. got a comment. Throw it in. What is, was Flintstones? Who, is it the Flintstones? Ah, Brett, you ruined it for everybody. Ah, it's the Flintstones. There we it go. It is the Flintstones. That's the um, water it's, buffalo thing. It, it is the water buffalo Lodge, Lodge. That he belongs to. Yes. yes. Okay. Anyway, I know some games do try that, like Storyteller and Keeper. They try to pick a term or a phrase that helps to encapsulate what the role is and how it fits that game or the genre the thing is trying to do. Um, White Wolf. What was whether, it for Top Secret, Brett? Oh shit! That was the. Uh, it's not the admi- administrator. It was the administrator. administrator yeah. Yep. So. I think in certain games like White Wolf, whether they succeeded at this or not, um, perhaps is up to debate. Some people would argue one way versus the other. When they had Storyteller, their idea was to help drive the story. It's supposed to be very story-based, which when you actually look at the mechanics from back in the old days, like, really? That's story-based? Anyway, um, in Game Master, sometimes in master terms or leader or he or she, the being that knows all, um, isn't always the most fun for certain groups, you know? And um, it can, it has a feeling like, oh, I have to master this game in order to run it, which is where you get guys, you know, like Matt Coville and us and many, many, many other men and women out there like, no, you don't need to know everything. Go on Twitter and find the number of women and men who have said, you do not need to master this game to run it. It's okay. But when the term master or owner, leader, something like that is in front of the title, sometimes it it connotates, connotes? Connotes, connotates, connotatively has says. A, has a connotation. Has a connotation, thank you. That you need to know a fuck ton of stuff in order to do this job. 
right? Like a job description. Oh, wow. You know, PhD required 16 years in country must speak four languages. I'm out. That type of thing. I'm yeah. less pretentious than that in that space. I'm like, yeah, game master is fine. Cause it just fits everything. And from running a con and going to cons, GM is just an easy, all-encompassing term that right. fits. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but good, but good, uh, good question. I, what do you like to be called? You know what's like, it? <laughs> throw it out there, right in. If and, you could, if you could have your own title as a as a runner of RPGs, what would you like it to be? Interesting. <laughs> I'm sure we're gonna get some really cool ones. We might get some horrible ones. That's okay. <laughs> not, hey, there's not a wrong answer. Uh, well, that's there. There might be. We'll, well find out. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, up next we have Stefan of House Dragonspawn. Hello, my sexy BSers. Stefan of House Dragonspawn here. I've listened to your episode with Lady Page. I think this was a needed and very relevant topic. This being the golden age of our hobby, more and more people are discovering the fun to be had. It's not just white straight men now, but men of color, women, people of the LGBT plus community, and many religions. <coughs> Excuse me. Changes are coming that need to happen correctly. I'm a gay man and have luck of being a middle-aged white man too, so I am an invisible minority. My sexuality doesn't have to come up. I've been lucky that I've never been the target of any hate or discrimination, yet I'm sure that some incidents may have happened and we need to be more sensitive and accepting in order to keep our hobby growing. There's so many games and settings available now, and more come out every month. Our hobby doesn't need to be so insular. We already have a minority as far as hobbies and activities go. Why discriminate and turn people away? We're already a minority. We already, sorry, we are, we are already a minority. <coughs> Excuse me. I love it when I hear Brett talk about his kids and how they want to learn to game and game master their own games, which I found awesome. Thank you for talking about this, Stefan. Hey. Well, so Stefan's in Canada. Yeah, but it's it's Gay Pride Month. That's right. It as, is as we record this. So hey, the, when I first all met, you all you fabulous gays out there, have an awesome have an awesome Pride happy, Month, man. Happy Pride Month. Enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah, I'm gonna go get a boa. Just when I was when I first met, I I met Stefan once in person. It was at Origins. Yeah, and Origins was happening during the 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 Pride Week mm -hmm. event, and I remember sitting outside with Stefan. Neither he nor I. I don't think he knew, but we sat outside and went, oh, my God, this is happening. This is crazy. It was, like, wild and insane. And the the passion, I think I've talked about this before, the fun that I, that whole crowd was having. I looked at Stefan and I go, wow, that's pretty cool, huh? And, he's, and he said, Brett, these are two of my favorite things all combined. <laughs> <laughs> he said, there's this wonderful parade outside of people just being who they are and gaming. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. That was great. I do remember walking down the street. I can't remember who I was with. It wasn't with, I was going to meet Phil, the gentleman where the JJ was with us. I'm walking and uh, a group of, uh, a group of folks came by on the parade and I said, I cannot remember what they're, what they're wearing. I think there was a lot of leather involved. And I looked and I said, my God, that has to be hot. Or no, I said, I can't believe they're not super hot wearing all that. <laughs> I, two people turned around and looked at me and they realized right away that I'm like, this is legit. I'm like it is like 98 fucking degrees and hot and we're all sweating. And the gentleman in front of me goes, Oh honey, they're hot all the time. Hot and all went, the time. And I said, you, you got me, you got me, you got me. And we all just laughed. <laughs> clink, <laughs> clink glasses. <laughs> it just moved on. Oh God, that was so much fun. That whole crowd was a blast. Anyway, Stefan, you're wonderful. Thank you so much for, for paying attention to us. And, um, just for all the support you've shown us over the years too, dude, you're just, you're awesome. Yeah, thanks, Stefan, you sexy beast. Over to you, Sean. Jesse of House Sparks writes, Hi, Brett and Sean. Woman Gamer here. <laughs> Writing in about a recent episode of your show in which a guy wrote in and mentioned that people in a game store were gawking at his girlfriend and you called for people to shout out game stores that are welcoming. So here I am to shout out not one, but two game stores that I have felt very comfortable in. I've had good experiences with TNT Hobbies in my hometown of Key Largo, Florida, and Moxie Games in Columbus, Georgia. Nice. Yay. 
The staff at both places are friendly and helpful, and I've never felt unwelcome, condescended to, or gawked at in either place. It sucks that 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 isn't always the case in every game store, but there are gaming spaces out there that are welcoming to women, and I wish everyone luck in finding that space in their region. Keep up the BS, Jesse. Awesome. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah. That's, a, that, that's cool. TNT Hobbies in Key Largo, Florida, and Moxie Games in Columbus, Georgia. If I am in either of those places, Jesse, I'm checking those out because cool places. Just you, I mean, that's a place you go. You you drop drop some cash because those those folks need to be in business. That's just awesome. Key Largo, cool. like that's the place I would want to go. Like, right? What is like two Wisconsin guys, man? We should be there like every winter. Holy, it's like on the keys, right? <laughs> it's, it's I've like, never been. It's I've I've never been to Florida. I should probably go at some point. Yeah, it's part of the Florida Keys, man. They got a game store in Key Largo. Yeah, dude, that would be win win. If we were still riding bikes, that'd be like a destination, man. Oh, totally. Uh, uh, so now we're just gonna have to buy a uh, buy a convertible and go. That's true. Like a convertible Cadillac or some shit. Yeah, like a great big. Big ass 1971. Like just trunk. Like trunk. like canary yellow. <laughs> or, you know, or just a loud ass. Yeah. Oh, God, that'd be fun. Yeah. God, that'd be fun. Anyway. All right. Well, <laughs> enough of that vacation talk, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. All right. Who have we got here? This is uh, Carl of House Davis. I'm excited to go to my first Gamehole Con. After many years of Gen Con, I look forward to a local convention that's large but not too large. I'd love to run a couple events under the banner as I've been a fan of the show for quite some time and even use your advice in playtesting these adventures. Oh my, he's got a couple here he's talking about. Zombie Black Friday. This is a Savage Worlds game where you play ordinary shoppers in one of the largest malls in the country, similar to Mall of America, when a zombie outbreak happens. This is my wife's nightmare, dude, just so you know. Is it really? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is this is like, Susan watches a lot of zombie stuff. Anyway, this adventure is designed to be lighthearted like Shaun of the Dead. Can the characters escape the mall before being eaten? Do they try and save the toy that stood? they stood in line for hours, too? Oh, that's awesome. That sounds fantastic. Next up, he's got the Helix Nebula situation, another Savage Worlds game where you play robotic support crew on, on a generation ship. You're activated after collision with an unknown force to support the crew. Only problem is there isn't a crew wake. There isn't a crew waking up and warning messages about hull breaches and life support failures assault your ears. You and the other robots need to discover what happened and save the crew. That's awesome playing robots. Yeah. He continues. Also, I sent some suggestions for online gaming many episodes ago, and they were well received. I appreciate that. I decided to share another idea to a GM's arsenal when gaming online. A fun thing to do is create a landing page that you show before the game starts. On roll 20, you just create a map like normal. I add trophies, pictures, or tokens to represent previous adventures to the pa- <clears throat> previous adventures to the page remind everyone of the previous glory. Sometimes it's an image of their home base, which I then fill with icons representing triumphs. I allow the players to manipulate the map so they can add their own drawings and sayings. Great show as always, Carl Davis. You know, actually, when I run Streets of Avalon, using Roll20 when I run that with um, Chris, Kevin, Andy, and Tom. I just have images of what's going on. Like I'll have a picture of a lamplighter plus a street scene, plus, 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 just to you. So when you're glancing at it, it is evocative of the setting. And <clears throat> a possible use of this outside of um, – outside of this. so I – I got. I went to the store because my kids were doing a bunch of science projects, as kids are wont to do in grade school and middle school. And they had these wonderful tri-folding science boards where you put up your little things, you pin it to it. I bought one of those and filled it full of evocative images and clues and so forth the first time I ran an Avalon game for my home crew. I put it up behind me. They all went, ooh, what's that? Ooh, what's that? I said, this is all indicative of the setting and what was there. I did actually pick certain images that knew would actually happen. So I could say, it looks like this. Oh, oh. And then people started to pay attention to the pictures. The the, uh, the images, like any good art in RPGs, helps to evoke that wonderful feeling. And having that splashed up behind me or next to me on a on basically a corkboard was really cool. And that's one of the things in my buddy Alpha's basement. We had, He has a short throw projector that throws onto a whiteboard that sits off to my left. So I will, through my, um, my tablet or my iMac, or excuse me, my uh, MacBook Air, I'll put different images and stuff up just to help kind of do a similar type of thing. So it's, 
Static images can be very evocative and very, very helpful for a game. So that's a damn good idea, Carl. Good stuff. Oh, and be great to see you at the con. Those games sound awesome, dude. Yeah. Madhouse V comments about the Streets Avalon Kickstarter, Brett. Uh-oh. Looks like my other comment disappeared. Weird. He posted something and I disappeared. Way too lazy to rewrite it. So here we go. Uh, just wanted to add thanks for the quick turnaround on Streets Avalon. This is the best turnaround I've seen from a Kickstarter besides the Savage Worlds one. Probably won't ever play it because I really don't run D&D anymore, but I was thinking of maybe running it in Genesis or Savage Worlds instead if it looks good. Thanks for the promptness, though. It was really nice to see the see and the constant updates was really nice. Very cool. Matt, I'll tell you, man, I have run it in GURPS. I've run it in um, World of Darkness. Um, I've used that system. I have used um, basic role-playing, uh, Osric. Um, there's no reason you couldn't use Genesis or Savage Worlds, anything like that. You could totally do that. And uh, I hope you do. And if you do, man, I would love to hear about it and hear what you did, how you did it, and if it was a lot of fun. Or even if it sucked, you're like, ah, it just didn't quite work like this. And then um, that, that would be good to hear, too, just so I can figure out how to make it better in the future. So thank you for, those, for your support, Matt. That's really awesome of you. All right, what have we got here? Joe of House T comments on random encounters episode. <clears throat> to James regarding scaling encounters or two-player play. Can each player just run two characters? I don't have the DM experience to truly talk about actual scaling and such, but as a player, just have more PCs than if the book calls for a four to six players or whatever. There's definitely some downfalls to this, such as how complicated a character can be and having someone remember all that stuff for two or more characters. You know, Joe, that's actually, that was one of the first things that hit me, kind of some old school advice, um, even back in the day when <laughs> it was it was hard to find players because if there were five of us in high school that could all play, two people couldn't make it, there were only three or only two people, well, what did you do? And a lot of times we did, ran a couple extra characters. It turned to be one of the easiest ways to go about it. However, there's other pieces and parts that go into it, and uh, that is in the... That's in the hopper. Um, we might throw that one out coming pretty soon to talk about two-player play. But uh, good piece, Joe, because I think it's a thing that sometimes we forget. And uh, if you pick the right characters in D&D, like you've got one, you don't want to have, Brett's opinion, you wouldn't want to have a cleric, a wizard, uh, <clears throat> a sorcerer, and a warlock. Oh, and another spellcaster, and another all one poor gamer trying to run all that because that might drive you insane but taking you know a tank and a wizard a cleric and a thief something along those lines that could always work out well one that's quote-unquote easier to play simply because it doesn't have the crunchy bits that of spell casting some of those extra powers that come in there so just a thought but we'll dive into it more later sean anything, anything from you before we pass no on? no mm-hmm. nope very cool Next one's over to you, sir. Sooner Fan writes in about hit points. Brett and Sean, sorry this was so long. Feel free to edit it and shorten it if you want. I am writing in with some thoughts about hit points. Nick of House Hopkins talked about this subject and was sharing his concerns about the narrative during combat and how he was handling it in 5e. None of what I am writing is critical of Nick, just how I look at this subject. This is only the second time I have contacted you. I emailed you for episode 200 to congratulate you guys on that milestone milestone, and how I started at episode number one and worked my way through them. I also told you how I was going to start running again after a long absence from RPGs. I started with basic D&D around 1989 at the age of 11. Yes, I am old. I am most familiar with first edition AD&D and that is what I am currently running. I realize that everybody interprets rules in their own way. In first edition, and I'm sure in the previous versions previous to 1E, hit points were never a measure of strictly physical damage. It was meant to represent the physical toll that combat takes on you. If you are a fighter with 36 hit points and the orc deals 4 to 6 points of damage per hit on you, you don't necessarily take 6 to 9 blows to your body or wounds from a weapon. It is an abstract number that takes into account things like getting exhausted from all the feints, blows to the armor, parrying, blocking a weapon with your shield, moving around, etc. Probably none of these things would kill a fighter, just wear him down. Wearing uh, him down could cause him to be slower. 
not thinking as clearly and leave him open to that final blow that causes him to drop to negative hit points and on death's door. Yeah, that's a very good point. And I think that's a lot of people need to kind of grasp that. There is a, um, Tim Cask has, a, I think, a curmudgeon in the basement or whatever, but he went through a sword fight, I believe, in Game of Thrones or one of those shows similar to that and <clears throat> kind of di- dissected it saying that point where the character dove backwards or flipped over a table, they would have lost hit points for that. That's how they would have seen it. Mm. That was the idea. The fight is this drastic, crazy thing. Your loss of hit points is how you're avoiding getting killed. Yep. It wasn't strictly that, oh, I have five health left, right? It was, and I think that's, it's it's interesting to try to look at it like that, but I think to do that, it takes focus and dedication to rewire our brains because we, through the throughout the hobby the last forty plus years, it's your life. It's a red marker that goes tick 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 down. Right, yeah. keep going. I am not very familiar with Fifth Ed, so this does nothing for how hard it is to kill a PC. But Nick was saying he was having problems with the narrative of combat. Maybe you could get with his group and tell them not every roll that hits them causes a wound that does physical damage. Like I said before, it can cause some exhaustion and clarity of their thoughts and tactics. The final hit to them that drops them to zero or lower hit points is the one that made a hit to a vital part of the body and they drop from the wound. Some quick ideas that popped up in my noggin. High constitution gives bonus HPs. That could represent higher stamina, not the ability to take extra cuts or wounds. That final blow, let's say a dagger to the neck, doesn't care what your constitution is. The fighter's bonus to Khan let him fight longer before he opened himself up to the final hit that hit his neck and dropped him. Also, maybe describe a physical hit to the fighter when his opponent rolls an arbitrary number. Let's say a giant causes a wound or broken bone on a natural roll of 17 or 18 to 20, and a kobold only causes a physical wound on a natural 20. This would give the game master a chance to describe the combat instead of just saying, the kobold hit you, take X number of points of damage each time he hits the fighter. With this, you could affect how long a character has to rest before gaining a large percentage of his hit points back. If he has, a several, if he has several physical wounds from the opponent rolling high on their attack dice, then make it take longer than just a short rest to regain his hit points. Like Brett's son said, he steps on my head until I am dead? Let me rephrase that. He steps on my head until I'm dead. Yes. There you go. Maybe if the fighter drops the cobalt to zero or less hit points, it doesn't follow through with a strike to the head, throat, or a vital organ, for example. The opponent gets to take make a death save or two with no failures. If they don't, they are dead. If they do, they can stumble up to their feet and either try to leave the fight or get one more attack in. I know movies and TV aren't the best examples, but some of the epic fights last while and rarely do you see last a while and rarely rarely do you see one of the fighters take a ton of major wounds. They might get sliced in the arm or chest, but the final blow is usually opening up their guts, slash throat, decapitation, or something along those lines. Also, the fights take more than a few seconds for someone to be defeated unless they are low-level mooks or, and or minions. I know Gary Gygax had commented on this subject before he passed away, probably in Dragon Magazine and or interviews. I've seen a video by Tim Cask on YouTube where he went into great detail on this subject. Yep, that's the one I was referencing. Yep. I hope this has helped or maybe just opened up thought or two on a little different way to narrate combat. I would like to thank you guys and listeners for getting me back into gaming. Keep up the great work, guys. Sooner fan. Very cool. Yeah, welcome back to the hobby, man. Or you know, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. it's really cool. Very, and he thanked cool. the gamers too. Like so, some of these, you know, he's thinking some of the people that have written in have probably given them some inspiration too. Well, you and I have talked about that for four years now. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this. If it weren't for the listeners. Uh, you men and women out there writing into us and all those cool folks. We see things in there, you know, and like, wow, that was cool. We get just just great feedback and ideas. And there's stuff that you folks have thrown out to us, you know, that are that make their way into my games. So, you know, when 
shit, we get people like Jesse who tell me about two cool games in uh, game stores in Florida and Georgia. I now I gotta go there. <laughs> so anyway, no, it's it's really really cool, very cool. All right, what's the uh, last one here? Pete of House Wyeth comments in Dark Trails episode. Aw, oh, no mention of Feral World? A locally southern Wisconsin artisanal RPG. The Feral World RPG lets players take on the role of anthropomorphic animal in an Old West setting with steampunk elements. There are about 30 different mammal species with their own strengths and weaknesses, and skills are chosen a la carte so you, the player, can design the exact character you would like. In addition, the Ferals, players can choose from an alien people called the... Called the Kithiak, which are indigenous to the feral world. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, we got a note as the side here. Uh, Bob gave us a good thank you uh, to for the episode with Paige Lightman yes. as well. So. Yeah, thanks, Bob, for doing that. He hit us up on Facebook. So thanks, Bob. I just want to acknowledge cool. that. So. Yep. Um, we do, and we do try to track as much as we can across Facebook, Twitter, MeWe and stuff. And uh, so if you have said something to us and we've missed you, we apologize. One definite way, <clears throat> excuse me, to make sure that you, you are seen by us is email. I know that's old school, but if you hit us up there, or obviously if you're a patron too, we grab stuff off the patron page. But uh, anyway, thank you all very much. Great feedback, folks. Awesome stuff. Yeah. And we'll have a link to Feral World in Die Roll uh, for those that may be interested in checking it out on lulu.com. All right. Holy cow, man. Damn. It did go longer than I expected. It did go longer. So this is this might be a kind of a short one. So we'll see how we go, shall we? Yeah. So Kojo, um, oh sorry. Oh, I went too fast. I was so excited. I just jumped the gun. <laughs> Brett was very excited. A pre- premature topic discussion. I'm sorry. <laughs> happens to every podcast owner every once in a while. No, nope, anyway. just, just you, Brett. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> No, you should feel like you're a freak, Brett. That's okay. If you're, if you're experiencing <laughs> pre, pre-topic discussion in your podcast, mm. call, a, call a friend. Call, call your friend tell, Sean tell and him about mock it. you. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so DM Kojo brought up hindrances as a, as a potential min-max tool, right? And Sean and I have talked about this before, and I wanted to come back to it a little bit um, because... <clears throat> I find it very, hmm, how do I say this? So one of the things that Kojo was talking about this, we had a bit of a back and forth between us, Kojo, and another listener. I can't remember the listener's name. I'm losing my mind right now. I was going to look this up before the show. Anyway, we went back and forth around, hey, building the character you want or the random die roll, you know, 3D6 down the line as Crumb intended or how you go about building characters. And some people want to build a concept and so forth. Now, Depending on the type of game you want to run or play in, hindrances and those types of things, um, flaws, blah, 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 you have to be careful. And the reason I say that is the <laughs> the potentials out there to have these bad things that are connected to your character, they really aren't all that bad. I've joked in the past we had a guy in my gaming group for a short period who like to take hindrances that were essentially uh, addicted to magic item collection, must kill all enemies until dead, collecting uh, um, addicted to gold, things like that. You know, they're really not hindrances so much. You know, always goes for the throat. That's not much of a, you're an assassin. It's really not a hindrance, dude. <coughs> oh, yeah, no, totally would be. Um, so, yeah, Carson, thank you, was the other person who went back and forth with around it. And I think... The cool part that hindrances have in a game system, Sean, you can correct me. I mean, you you game a lot of different systems too. One of the cool things that hindrances can do is they can help you develop a better rounded character. They can give you some of those flaws and those things that can help make the character pretty cool. Well, on the other side, also usually give you some extra character points to build your character with, right? <clears throat> oh, I really wish I had fly. You know, flight, I need that power. Oh, if I take... Stuck in a wheelchair, I'll have enough points for that. Or if I took, you know, blind in one eye, I could do that and so on. So I, I get the I get the draw to them. And I also understand, though, that the potential to min-max is out there where people tend to pick the flaws or hindrances that really don't seem to impact them a whole hell of a lot or never quite seem to come up in game. And um, I think what 
<laughs> one of the things that can be interesting is this. It's not just the game master's job to bring that stuff up. I think if you make your characters at the table, everybody is aware of all of these things. This can get ugly, potentially. But you could have your players go, isn't that a hindrance of yours, Brett? You can't do that. Your character has a flaw that he must stab all enemies in the face until dead or you do whatever. And so I think we can kind of, we can police ourselves. It can get kind of messy depending on the group and how well they get along. But I think that can be done. But it does need to be, you got to pay attention to this stuff, at least in my opinion, when it comes to hindrances, flaws, or anything that you can buy or take on to give you more points to build this character monster. Because some char- some players do build character monsters. They build these min-maxed behemoths that um, are full of hindrances that really don't quite matter. Sean, have you seen this in the past, or am I talking on my ass as usual? Yeah, I've seen it. I've been there. It's have not, you? It's have not you, pretty. <laughs> it's, it's not pretty. It's have not you pretty. done it? I've done it. You have? Oh, yeah. Shame on you, Brad. Oh, yeah, I did. I was, a young, I was a younger man. I was foolish. I didn't know what I didn't know what alcohol would do. Um, yeah, I I have in the past. I um, I don't. I haven't done it. Uh, I don't play a ton of games with the disadvantages piece and the hindrances. Um, I like them, and I would play them. And it also depends on the game. Well, and I say it depends on the game because there's times when I, I like to think that. If there is a, a heavy element of role playing, great. And if that's the game, awesome. Mm-hmm. But if it's like, hey, you're gonna take these hindrances, um, and it's not they're not gonna come into play necessarily, either mm-hmm. because of my choice or the game master's choice, then I don't wanna have them just because they're part of the game, but they don't matter. Yeah, because if you're running a GURPS game or something where it's point by, you're like, okay, fine. How about, because none of this shit matters, how about I just give you an extra 50 points to build a character with? Sure. You know? Yeah. Because <laughs> if it's really not going to come into play. Right. And I, I think the, so we all know that canard, right? Oh, Christ, some stupid fucker's going to take a hindrance that really isn't a hindrance. It's never going to come up. They're going to have an endangered character. The game master will forget, blah, blah, blah. Now, I think... A piece you said there is is critical. If you're going to have players who like to role play and game masters who like to role play, I think the lost component, not the lost piece, but I have encouraged people like, do you want to role play that hindrance? Do you want to role play that piece? Because I need you to do that. If you do that, you will get experience points, you know, <clears throat> or if you do that, this this will benefit you in some way, shape or form. Because the cool thing that a hindrance or a mechanical approach to this is that excuse me, there's a mechanical approach. Something occurred and it gave, you took a thing and it gave you a thing back, right? Points to build your character. But I think if that's the only impact it had, that's not good enough. It needs to have impact throughout the game. And if the only way for it to happen is through role-playing, you have to make sure that you've got people who are willing to role-play those types of hindrances and flaws, those bad things, right? Because it's it's gotta be there. If there is a mechanical tie to it, I remember, Sean, in the Star Wars game you ran, you kept track of a number of those things and you used them. Yeah. We had that stuff. I can't Obligation. That, the obligation. That was part of the game system. There's a mechanic in it. This is, this is your obligation. Right. And you brought that up. You made it a point that our obligations were going to bite us in the ass. And they fucking bite us in the ass over and over again. They all popped up yeah. at one point or another. And that made sense because <laughs> we built the characters. We were told it was going to be there and you made sure it happened. And yeah, we then Austin, had to role play and deal Austin with it. Austin had a had a few. I think uh, had him encounter his obligation a few times. Yes. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> now I know. Now Kojo, you're not you're not here to defend yourself. So I'm going to throw this. And I think you would say this. This is what I'm going to throw out. And a lot of us who like some of the OSR stuff, do I need a mechanic? No. No, I don't. I could have a character who in the course of play loses his eye. Okay, he's lost his left eye. Or my other character, she had her leg chopped off, or she lost all her hair, or whatever, was disfigured. Or my guy, X, Y, or Z happened, or he developed a phobia, or psychosis, or something. And 
even if there isn't a mechanic, you should be able to play with it, i.e. role play through it and say, yep, I can't do that. Or, hey, I, oh, yeah, don't forget, you know, Kojo, I've, I've, I lost an eye, you know, last session. So I have disadvantage on my attack roll for until you said for the next three rounds. Or, hey, if it requires X, Y, or Z, I can't do that because I only have one eye or I lost a leg or something along those lines. The beauty of a mechanical component or a connection, though, is that there's a enforcement. Yeah, there's a rule. There's a rule right. that you can latch onto that says X equals this. Therefore, this is going to happen. Yeah, you're going to get a penalty. You're going to get a penalty of some yeah. kind. Yeah. And I think the, the key to them is that hindrances or flaws or whatever they are that are chosen, I think the players and the game master should all agree that they fit or are appropriate. Right. So if you look at GURPS, uh, to me, is a classic example of there's a shit ton of books out there for GURPS over the years. Lots of different flaws, merits, hindrances, quirks, things that are available and, and so forth. Even Vampire, the old uh, White Wolf book, there are tons of different new, uh, new options and nuances around those pieces for different vampire clans and so forth. My players would come, can I have this? I would say, no, that one doesn't fit. Oh, crap. I really liked it. Sorry. No. Because it doesn't fit. And I think that's a piece we as game masters and as other players need to say. You look at something like GURPS, I shouldn't say notoriously, at one point had one. They had certain pieces that were cinematic. They were listed as such. Like hard to kill. Um, The old Schwarzenegger, you know, Stallone thing. You just couldn't kill the son of a bitch type of thing. Kept coming back. Shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. He wouldn't die type of thing. It says cinematic right on it. And the last time I ran GURPS for GURPS, I said, look, no cinematic this, none of X, Y, none of Z, none of 1, none of 2, none of 10, whatever. I listed off the shit that wasn't allowed. I had some groans like, oh, I really like that. Yeah, but it doesn't fit the world. It doesn't fit. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. But you've got you've to gotta put boundaries around it. If it doesn't fit or isn't going to work, I think not only the Game Master isn't the only person on that one, but I think the Game Master should be able to say, hey, Brett wants to take this hindrance. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. What do you guys think? Does it fit the setting? And I don't think that's a bad idea to wrangle in some other players to get opinions or perspectives on it. Sean, what do you think about that? If I were running a game that had an inherent mechanic that allowed you to take hindrances to get more points so that you could use those points to build better things, advantages for your Character, say like Savage Worlds or GURPS or something. Uh huh. I would call it, I would in the game call it out if they're abusing it. Because in my opinion, then they're, they're gaming the system and they're not like, okay, hold on a second. Just let's hold on, time out. Let me get this straight. You've taken X and Y and you've gotten Z and you don't, you're not taking into X and Y into consideration at all. Well, that's, that's a bunch of bunk because it's, it's, that is kind of predefined. Like I think when you go into those situations with that in mind saying, Hey, this is what you're, we're going to be able to do. Yeah. You could take up to two hindrances or you could limit it to one, whatever it is and give them those points. Or you simply say, no, you get stuck with the base points and that's it. You don't get a hindrance. Mm -hmm. So you can, or give them the option. Okay, you could take a hindrance and get an extra 20 points or two points, or you stay at the base and you don't take a hindrance and you don't get a boon. What's your pleasure? Yeah. I have actually had players over the years, my buddy JR will would take a bunch of flaws and like, ah, I don't need any merits. I don't need any good stuff. I just want the flaws. I think they're cool. Which is fine. I'm like, all right. And he role played the shit out of them too, which, which is, is always great. Right. Which is great. Right. That's, that is great. But it's those that are like, okay, I'm going to take, like, like you mentioned, Brett, I'm going to take something, but I'm never going to consider it in play, whether it's role playing or an actual penalty. You know, I take blind, but yet you could shoot without any penalty. Like, come yeah. on, that's not going to, you're not daredevil. And if you want to be daredevil, then you, you got to play that game. Yes. Like, I want to be Daredevil. What game can I play to be Daredevil? You know, yeah. All right. Let and that's me a, figure that's, this out. That's an interesting piece, too. You'll find some people like, I'm going to be Wolverine. Like, it's like <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but I want to be the Wolverine. Uh, no, it's D- no. 
Answer is no. <laughs> or I want to be a ninja. There are no ninjas in this game. Oh, but I want to be a. I want to. Be, no, no, no. You can't be Harry Dresden. No, I'm sorry. And <laughs> it, it is interesting to watch some people try to build a character that doesn't fit because they have a, a notion of what they want to have. Um, but that that perhaps is a different topic type of thing. But I think I think you're right. The do you need a mechanic to do this? Obviously, no. I don't think it's a crutch. I don't think it's training wheels. I don't think it's bad. If some people enjoy having mechanics to help steer and guide the hindrances and so forth. I think the main piece of it, though, and we've said this before, and I just want to underscore it, is you've got to have it actually impact play the right. way it says. Yeah. Because if you don't, then just fuck it and give the character the extra build points that they need because you're not going to do it anyway. You're simply frittering away time by making them pick stuff that has no meaning. Yeah, and I think part of this goes to like players feeling as well as though they have to have the upper hand. And because of that, there is this weird dynamic between the game master and the player, I find, where the the deck may be stacked against the player so much so that they feel compelled that they have to get these advantages. They have to be heroes. They have to not have any flaws because if they have a flaw, well, the game master is going to, they're, they're going to put the screws to that, right? They're going to, they're yes, going to expose yes, it. Yes, yes, I will. Yeah. Brett will expose it. But yes. at the same time, that's part of the fun. Well, that's true. John, Mc, John McClain, um, had a wife when they found out. Guess what they did? They, 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 they do? Held, held, held a gun to her head. You know what? And, and uh, spoilers. Spoiler. <clears throat> but Damn. you, yeah, you got to figure that stuff out. Well, while I agree with that, I also think that game masters can be overzealous in their pursuit of exposing everything. Oh yes, there is abuse on the other oh, side. Oh, let oh. me. Oh, the like, on the other side. Of the oh, everybody, you know, oh, you're blind. You don't have, you know, this, 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 and that. Okay, so now I'm going to just every the whole every encounter I run is going to be like, oh, well, you can't see, or you, you know, you have a limitation. So I'm just going to expose it every single encounter, which I think is bullshit. Yeah, there is. <laughs> there's there, some, there, there's trade off. I think there there's a trade off. There is thematically and story arcy and all the other cool. Yeah, it's really whoo boy that that challenge really that would have been a lot easier if I didn't have that hindrance. But ah, damn it, Sean, he really he got me. He got me good there. Okay, you know, well, you know, it, the dice kind of fell where they made whatever. Uh, versus wow, there's a random chart and it says who am I gonna fuck on the other side of the screen? You know, whose character am I gonna put in this vice grip and squeeze until they pop? That's not appropriate either. So hindrances are not the game master's, you know, free reign to just destroy characters and players. But they're a tool, and like any tool, if you overuse it, you know, it's uh not good. Not so Yeah, good. it'd be like Die Hard and what you were saying with John McClain. And all the glass getting shot, right? And then the whole floor is covered with glass and he has no shoes on and he mm -hmm. has to walk across that. And then you go, he gets through that and then you go, okay, well, I'm going to see if I can get one of the bad guys and I'm going to get their shoes so I can put it on my feet and walk, you know, I can walk better now. Well, that there isn't anybody there. Like they're gone. Like you shot them and they fell out a window. Or they're or not you, wearing, or they're or not you, wearing shoes either. Or you get them, and the shoes are too small, which is what happens. Which is, which <laughs> does happen, yes. But now, like, now take that movie now. So okay, somebody's gonna say, I don't see it in the movie. Anyway, he's shot, or the glass gets shot. He's got glass in his feet. He's got bloody feet. It hurts. It doesn't right. really stop him. What it does, it provides tracks and information, so the sure. bad guys know where he is. He's still a badass motherfucker, and that's fine. But it doesn't completely st stop him. It slows him down and provides evidence to the bad guys is where he's been because he's bleeding through his feet. But it doesn't stop him from being able to defeat the bad guys. Well, that's fair. <clears throat> it makes it dramatic. It makes yeah. it you have a limitation that you need to work around. You know, you have a thing. Peter Parker has to occasionally deal with the fact that his Aunt May could get threatened by the Green right. Goblin, right? These are things you need to work around. If you beat the hell out of, if you play that same note over and over and over and over again, everybody gets fucking bored. Yeah. So that's the that's the bad thing, the game master. In addition to 
forgetting it, ignoring it, or not making it count in any way is overcompensating and just wailing on that single note because that's it's flat and dull. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> well, I think we're plenty long as it is, man. I think we should go. All right. Shall we? So yeah. if you guys, you 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 folks out there are gamers, you read you read through, you listen to this. Good God, I'm tired. Um hindrances, the min-max potential, and so forth, how have your experiences been with them? Did you like them? Did you have a good time with them? Did you have a game master who used them in a creative way? Have you used them creatively, you know, so you don't make it a one-note type of event or where they're always forgotten? What tools are you using to help keep that stuff in the forefront? And I think those types of things would be very helpful to bring up. And if we get a good collection of those, we'll, we'll obviously we'll read the, uh, read the listener feedback and hopefully get those ideas out. So off we go. Yeah. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to share with you. I've rounded up a few this week. Um, how did D&D become a cartoon? I thought it was a good article. Does so, it have to do with the Hollywood and a lot of cocaine? No, no. No, no, not not at all. But it was it was more of like, you know, the satanic panic. How did they still get a cartoon on the air? What oh, were okay. all the other cartoons going on at the same time? What was unique about the D and D cartoon? And it was a good it was a good article. It's on CBR.com. Did you see the car commercial? I did see the car commercial. I so I awesome. should probably put that in the show notes, Brett. You should I'll pull, go find it. Yeah. So as Brett does that, um, the next one, Broken Ruler Games, aka Todd Crapper, has a LARP of blackmail, confrontry, confront, confrontation, and poker being kickstarted called The Deal. That ends June eighteenth, twenty nineteen. I don't know if it's funded yet. Um, I I went in on that. I like Todd's stuff, and I've I don't I don't LARP, but I think I would run that as a LARP, a poker table, where it's like. It could be fun. Yeah, I think that would be quite fun, actually. Um, so, and then the next one, Incarnate, Incarnate. Um, it's a cartography creation website. So you can get a free plan. There's a paid plan and a, a premium plan. Um, I did on Twitter ask if anybody had used it. I only got really one response. They weren't a big fan of it. But I'd be interested if anybody um, else used it or if you haven't, Check that out. Um, you can get on there and create your own type of region, or you can even do a city. Um, it's got, excuse me, different icons and things of that nature that you can use for mountains and streets and towns and buildings and stuff like that. Some of them actually look very SimCity-like, but if they were for fantasy, which I think is kind of cool. Next one, Feral World uh, Light, which is what Pete mentioned earlier. Um, we'll have a link to that on Lulu. And then the last one, uh, which just came to my mind as we were kind of going through the show, is Stephen Colbert plays D&D with Matt Mercer as the game master or da- dungeon master. It was for Red Nose Charity. So I think they what they did was they put it up online and said, hey, Mercer is going to run a game for Stephen. And anybody, everybody can like vote on things and then it costs money to vote. And then that dictated like what character he got. Um, and what class. So, uh, if you haven't watched it, it's on YouTube. Have you watched it yet, Brett? No, I've not. So I would recommend, uh, whether you like Stephen Colbert or not to watch it. And that, the reason I, the biggest thing I got out of it was, so it's literally a one-on-one D and D thing and it's obviously for charity. But if you watch Stephen Colbert's face as he plays well, some the of the game, skills I've seen, the dude just lights up. He's having he so just, much fun. It is exactly that. It's like you'd think this guy tripped. Like you'd think this guy was like eight years old and went to Disney World. Like <gasps> I'm playing D and D. And his again. face is just like yeah. And he goes back and he talks about like some of the things that he did while he's playing and kind of gets off sidetracked, but. It is hilarious. I mean, I told a guy that I I, uh, that I worked with professionally um, and placed him. Like, hey, man, you should just check this out because his face facial expressions are just priceless. So, he I think he's hooked. I think Colbert's gonna be playing D. Well, he's like, played before forever. Well, ago. I think it's been I for think a long, he's had long a, time ago. Yeah, I think it's been a gap though. Oh yeah, like yeah. a lot of us. So you talked yep. about that. I mean, it takes. I shouldn't say a lot of us. A lot of people like you. I've, yeah, I'm very fortunate that I have not had the gap. Yeah, a lot of people have. Yeah, 
So there's some links for you to check out. Um, that's it. So what are we talking about next week, Brat? We're going to talk about gaming with small groups. Ooh. And we want to uh, pimp something that we got coming up. So one of the ideas that someone had given to us was Sean and Brett should each run an encounter, the same encounter. We should run it just to see how we do it differently. Right. Right. So we're sorting out how we want to get a one-page encounter that we could do some rules around it, like, hey, it's going to be used with this system, blah, 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 blah. And um, what, pre-gen PC or something, and just run that encounter. I think we'll probably have Sean go first, then me. Well, then we'll record it and put it yep. out to see how and see how it goes. So things that are coming into our brain is we we would maybe um, uh, crowdsource the encounter um, with some criteria. Mm-hmm. I think we'd probably make it five E just for general purpose, and then we would look to have one player as the subject of our game mastering. And then, how do we pick that player to do that? So Brett would so have a one player, player each, the same player no. each time. No, one, one, one player for you, one player for me. Yeah, which would probably kind of skew things a little bit. But I also don't think the single player playing both in the same encounter would make any sense. No, fair enough. Yeah, big right. Deal. right. But you know, it, it is another variable thrown in. I'd love to be able thing. to do it where you could say, "Hey, I'll run it for a group of three people." You're not, but anytime you get larger than X number of like one, <laughs> right? It's hard. To, schedules suck, and it's hard. To, it's hard to make happen. So, yeah. So we may do that, um, and we will do it, and we'll record it. Um, and if depending on how long it takes, we'll either put it in the same episode, or we'll do one episode where Brett runs it, and it's literally just going to be. All right, episode X, Brett runs this person through name the encounter, the encounter name, and then the next episode be Sean. And maybe we throw that over to bonus BS too. I don't know. We'll have to figure out where we put it. Yeah. We'll get it out there. Yeah. That's what we're thinking of. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. All right. We're good. All right. So, yeah, as you may know from the beginning of the show, I'm still Sean. And I'm still Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Andy Hall, Hawk Sparrow, Larry Hout, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, Chris Steele, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValle, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Roger Braslett, John Hammersley, Old School DM, Perry Besor, Michael Dinos, Jim Fitzpatrick, Christopher Gray, Bruce Cunnington, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Angus, Howard Bishop, Stefan Dragonspawn, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Salzweedle, Trevor Davis, Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Ray Otis, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Rich Wishon, Chad Gleiman, Finolf, Merkel Freilich, Lord Tentacle, Joe Swick, Curtis Takahashi, Josh Wallace, Kevin Lovecraft, Andy Olson, and Tony Sugarloaf Baker, and Jeff Seifert. For ways to support the show, head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash support dash us. Thanks, BSers. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.